Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Joining me today is a past guest, uh, my fiance and future wife. Uh, I've had her on the show before, and we talked about relationships and, and dating. Um, but I thought it would be great for us to talk about relationships in the holidays. Uh, so before I tell you a little bit more about what we're going to talk about, because uh, we dive into dealing with family at the holidays and maintaining intimacy and all those sorts of pieces, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. So Vienna Farron is a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of New York, uh, practicing out of New York City, and she is she's actually she's got a great office that's uh, uh, that I work out of sometimes. Uh, she received her Master's of Science in Marriage and Family Therapy from Northwestern University and trained extensively at the Family Institute at, uh, at, at Northwestern. So there she's you know she treated individuals and couples and families in a clinical setting, and uh, she's also received training at Family Focus, a community outreach program providing communities, home, and clinically based therapeutic services for individuals and families. So, um, so Vienna actually has like one of the most sought after uh, marriage and family therapy practices in Manhattan. And um, she's got a few therapists that work for her, and she's got a great practice here in New York. Um, but she also has a huge following on Instagram, and that's for good reason because she posts daily content and information about relationships. And she just is such a gifted writer. And I know I'm biased because I'm her I'm her partner, um, but honestly, she is truly a, a gifted writer. So. Um, on this episode today, we talk about a lot of things. Um, you know, the holidays are a very interesting time for a lot of people that can be they can be amazing. They can be um, highly anticipated. They can also be lonely. Uh, they can also be challenging. They can also be uh, overwhelming. Um, they can also be co confronting because sometimes we have to deal with challenging situations with family, with our partner, with our in-laws. And so we're actually going to talk about all of that. <laughs> so uh, we kind of run the gamut on this episode and talk about everything relationships and holidays related. Um, so we're, we really dive into uh, some of the challenges that relationships can have around the holidays, some of the conflict that can come up uh, that you should be aware of. Uh, we talk about what it's like to deal with dysfunctional families uh, and how to actually handle and approach those situations. So if you um, if you are from a, a family or from a home where you know it's a challenging environment to be in, um, we give you some tips and tools and begin to share some of the some of the ways that you can engage with your family. Um, so that you can get the most out of your holidays. Uh, and then we talk about how to deal with challenging in-laws. Now, this is a big one that a lot of people have actually reached out to me lately on on Instagram through Q&As and um, just in private messages asking like, how do I deal with my with my partner's family? How do I deal with my in-laws during the holidays? Like, what's too far? Where are the boundaries? How do I step in? Uh, and so, so we do a, a little piece of this uh, of this episode is dedicated to talking to you and, and sort of um, uh, supporting you on having the, the proper tools to be able to deal with uh, challenging in-laws. We also talk about dealing with politics at the holidays because it is a very real challenge uh, in the current climate, regardless of the country that you live in. A lot of, the, a lot of countries are, are very politically charged right now, and there's a lot of polarity 
in those spaces. And so we talk a little bit about that. And then we, then we talk about how to maintain, build, grow intimacy with our partner over the holidays, how to make it very unique and special, and how to have really great communication over the holidays. So we, we cover a lot. Um, I would strongly suggest, strongly suggest sending this episode to your partner so that they can listen to it as well. And you can have a little bit of a dialogue around uh, what what you want to implement uh, over this holiday season. So uh, for all the guys that are out there, don't forget to head on over to Facebook, join the Man Talks community. Uh, we've got a, you know, almost, I think we've got about 4,000 guys on there now uh, from around the world. Great, great conversation. We talk about fatherhood and fitness and well-being. And uh, it's a very in-depth conversation uh, from, from, from what we have here. Uh, and definitely check out the Alliance if you're looking to start your year off right uh, and you want to do a little bit of work with me and an incredible group of men uh, who are building their life's purpose, who are cultivating incredible intimate relationships with our partners uh, and and just get to know some amazing men that are doing some great work. Uh, definitely check out the Alliance. You can just go to mantalks.com and check out the Alliance there. So without any further delay, please welcome Miss Vienna Farron. I'm great, Mr. Connor Beaton. Yeah. How does it feel to be doing round two of our podcast interviews? It feels great. I was wondering when you were going to ask me back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here, <laughs> here it comes. Here it comes. Well, we're, we've upgraded our, our system here, haven't we? We've we got, have. We've got a professional, professional system. Two microphones. Yeah. This is, like a, <laughs> this is like a fancy, we don't really have a studio, you know, we don't really have a studio yet. So hopefully nobody can hear the the New York horns honking outside, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But um, give uh, give the listeners a little bit of an update of what's been going on in your life since we last spoke. Were we engaged the last time? We were engaged, yeah. Okay, so that has not changed. That has not changed. We are still <laughs> we're engaged. We're still engaged. We're still engaged. But, uh, but the wedding is... Yeah, the wedding is in April. Wedding so in April. so we're, uh, we're, not, we're just a few months away now. So Getting that winter... Uh, yeah, so what has changed is a lot of the, the wedding planning. But yeah, no, it's been, can't believe we're coming to a, to a close year for 2018. And I, th I feel like we always experience that same sort of, oh my gosh, it's, it's here. And um, starting to look back at the year and some of the intentions that were set at the beginning of 2018, um, I can remember us sitting on that sofa doing, doing that work. So it's kind of cool to see many of those goals um, being met this year. So, you know, what's happened is, well, at least with us, we've ran more events. Um, we've been building a community here in New York of people who are really interested in building out quality relationships. We took a trip this summer, you and I, which was really nice to, oh, it was great to be in to be in France and um, sort of pause from the chaos here. <laughs> we, we experienced the French chaos, though. Um, it was, we were, it was we, a good functional chaos. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, I mean, it's been a lot of the same, I think, but a lot of travel, a lot of spending time in the mountains and really enjoying that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, like I think it's been our, our normal... Uh, our normal swing of things. Yeah. And we had a, we, had, we did the couples retreat. Yeah. We did the Republic. couples retreat, which was incredible. And I'm so excited to be doing that again with you. Just a continued reminder of how powerful uh, group work is and how transformational it can be. I'm super pumped to do it again at 
the end of April. Yeah. We get married and then we're just doing the thing, right? <laughs> we're just diving in head yeah. first. It's like, we're, we're going to get married. And then a, a few, few weeks, weeks later, later <laughs> <laughs> we're off to Dominican Republic to spend our honeymoon with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, well, so if anybody out there is is interested in that, uh, we'll have links in the show notes, but you can just go to thebestcouplesretreat.com. Domain, li- no, domain name does not lie. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally, literally when we were thinking about <laughs> what we wanted to do was like, well, what do we want to, what do we want to create? What's our intention? It's like, well, we want to have the best couples retreat possible. And then and literally, we and we do. <laughs> and, and literally Vienna <laughs> goes, goes online and types in the best couples retreat.com and manages to find the URL, yeah. which was absurd and amazing. So, um, great. Okay. Are you ready for the holidays? Do you feel ready for this? I feel like I feel like the holidays like snuck up real quick. Everybody I've been talking to is like underprepared and can't believe that the end of the year is around the corner. Yeah, I I I feel like I say this every every year, right? Is that it creeps up so quickly and we sort of know that that time at least what I think gets noted is the time between Thanksgiving and the new year is something that does somehow speed up, right? It's like, you know, we sort of our relationship to time is is one thing, but somehow those those many weeks in between just seem to move by so quickly. So uh, yeah, certainly underprepared. Um, <laughs> have many gifts that have not been purchased. And what about uh, mine? <laughs> yeah, still not. Yeah. So so yes, it's definitely crept up and can't believe it's right around the corner. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, we're going to talk everything. Speaking of the holidays, we're going to talk a little bit about the holidays today because one of the things that has been coming up, um, I'm not too sure if you've been getting this in your Instagram Q and A's that you've been doing lately, but in in my Instagram Q and A's, um, you know, people have been asking about how to maintain their relationships over the holidays because it's been crazy. And then people have also been asking about how to deal with their family, dysfunctional families in the in the holidays. And then the last piece is in-laws uh, at the holidays, which which can be a, a very challenging topic. So, so let's just start at the very at the very basic, the very uh, sort of beginning. Why are the holidays a little bit more challenging uh, and, and, and tumultuous sometimes for certain relationships or some relationships? I think that there are a lot of expectations that can happen around the holidays, and we. You and I always talk about expectations, covert expectations and agreements that we have constantly throughout the year. But when you bring the holidays around, a lot of expectations get heightened. You know, we have we have systems in place around the holidays, around traditions that we have, around what it means to be loved during this time. Obviously, our society has created a system in which uh, gift giving is there's a lot of value that's placed on it, and so there can be a lot of missed expectations um, and hopes and sort of love languages that get crossed, and yeah. um, disappointment is something that can can often pop up during this time. It's like like tradition failure, you know. It's mm-hmm. like we, I think sometimes we as individuals, we have our own family traditions that we've started around the holidays. And then sometimes those can clash with our partner's traditions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if if you are partnered, 
you have two family systems, um, and and sometimes more than that, right? If you if you come from um, a divorced household, or there's other family systems that have become part of your own, and so during this time where there's only so many days and only so many quote unquote meaningful days, right? It's like um, the night before or the night of, or you know, we've already past Hanukkah um, for this year, which I know isn't necessarily the most meaningful um, of of Jewish holidays, but you think about how we split this time and you know whose whose family gets what of us and how much time and is it equal and is it even and does everybody feel included? And you know, those are the types of things that can come up at this time. And then we have people who are like, I'm not dealing with any set um, of a family system and we're just going to travel and go away. And, and so, yeah, I I think that those types of conversations and those, those types of uh, constraints can really come forward during this time. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're going to talk about a few different angles of this, but I think it's also challenging for, for the singles that are out there, you know, or the recently, you know, out of a relationship or, whatever that, whatever that looks like, because it can be a challenging time to have those expectations to feel lonely or to go home with family and families always have narratives, right? Like, why aren't you with someone or whatever, whatever their stories are. So yeah, this time there's, there can be a lot of grief around the holidays. And so, you know, whether it's feeling disempowered in your singlehood or your alone space or this being the first set of holidays where you are doing it without a family member or without um, a partner. Those are the types of things that can often bring up a lot of emotions this time. You know, I have many clients who are going through their first round of uh, holidays without a parent. And, you know, what does this look like? What does this mean? How do, how is this the same or different? What are the emotions that I'm experiencing? How do I have this sense of a both and where I can feel happy and joyful and excited about seeing other family members or friends feeling connected and light during this time and also grieve and have sadness that, you know, my father isn't around. Mm you know, or, or this is the first time without my brother celebrating with me and, you know, create space and honor the loss or the void that is there. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes people go into those spaces of, of just trying to like lose themselves a little bit, you know, if there's, if there's cause for celebration Mm. and, and maybe they are grieving something, the loss of a, of a parent or a relationship and the, the holiday sort of becomes the excuse to, to try and eradicate those memories, right. And try and run from them in, in some way, shape or form, rather than like what you're saying, which is to honor both, you know, to, mm-hmm. to sort of honor the celebration and, and to honor the, the loss in some capacity. Well, it's the integration of it. It during the holidays, it's really easy to escape, right? We can we can overeat, we can overdrink, we can overuse a lot of things. We can move away from routine and grounding things that we do, and that can be something that does help us avoid. Unfortunately, it moves us right into that disempowered position. And so, the work is how do I honor all? Right? How do I? integrate what it is that I am feeling and experiencing without it necessarily robbing me of the experience that's in front of me too. So it's creating the space for both to exist and honoring that and being deliberate with that energy. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's great. And so, so for the people that are out there that are, you know, single and going through the holidays, what what would you say to them? Because I would imagine that a lot of them are kind of like, ah, 
this time of the year. You know, maybe they love it. Maybe they're okay with it. Um, but you know, I think you brought up an, an important piece of it can be easy to get away from the things that ground us, right? The, the rituals that we have, et cetera. So for the single people that are out there, what would you recommend for them? What advice would you have for them to go through the holidays and feel connected to the people around them and, and sort of have a, uh, maybe not a successful holiday, but <laughs> to, to have like a really fulfilling holiday? Yeah. Some people are fully grounded in their alone and they're really empowered in that space. And so this time might not feel super concerning to them. Um, for many people though, it, this is a conversation that I think you and I have with many of our clients is, um, you know, sort of the cuffing season, right? And, um, we, we want to, many of us want to be with someone during this time because you, well, one, we can have the craving of connectedness and togetherness in a functional, healthy relationship. So that's yeah. fine. Um, but two, we also see so many other people traveling and spending time with family in, in their family systems with their partner. Um, and there's a lot of travel that happens at that time. Insta, and so Insta FOMO. Well, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, it's, it's not a new concept that we see that, you know, the, the photo reel and the, um, sorry, the highlight reel, which is also the photo reel of what people are doing and how they're sharing it with their, with their partners and, oh my gosh, and this is happening now. And, oh, we're traveling here and we're, what, this is what we're doing for the new year. And, um, and so when we're constantly inundated with those reminders, um, our system can get pretty distressed and feel really chaotic in that space. And so we start to crave for what it is that we're seeking. And, and so that can be really overwhelming for the system. Now, if we are coming from an empowered position, which again, many people are totally okay being single in this time, um, those things might not necessarily rock the system as hard. But I think if you're craving um, a relationship or feeling really insecure in that space, or just wanting someone to cuddle up with, if you're living in a location where we are right now, where it's really cold. A lot of times there's people sort of ground in and they, they want to stay home more than they want to go out. And when you're staying home, a lot of times we want that warmth and that comfort with that body next to us. Right. So there's, I'm, I guess I'm right now just explaining why it is that we often crave for that. How we respond to that is by being mindful of the thoughts that we allow in. I keep talking about the disempowered versus the empowered and wanting to ground in and be centered um, and say kind things to ourselves. If we're constantly badgering ourselves or we're constantly shaming ourselves or, or digging into ourselves for being such a you know loser for this or that, you know, like that's unhelpful, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's actually self-harm. And so when we think about the opposite of self-harm, we're talking about self-care yeah. and part of self-care during this time is being cognizant of the stories that we're telling ourselves, cognizant of the boundaries that we are keeping, setting and keeping, um, aware of the routine that we have for ourselves because we all know that during this time, our routines generally go out the door. We change up where we are so we don't have the same routine or same access to the things that we normally have access to. Yeah. The food is different. The amount of drinking is different. You know, here in New York City, there's a lot of 
exercise through classes. And so, uh, you know, you just, you're not here, so you're not going to those things. Um, and so finding a, a ritual or finding some type of routine while you're away that does ground you and bring you into that empowered state of this is the commitment that I'm making to myself and I'm following through on it. Mm. And I am giving my system, um, a trustworthiness in myself, yeah. right? That those parts can look at us and say, Oh, Vienna is going to follow through on this, right? This is her commitment to us, us being the system. And she's doing it. Like yeah. she's, she's doing what it is that she says she's going to do. Yeah. I like that, that third person, <laughs> third person version right there. Um, yeah. I mean, I think one of the interesting things is that a lot of people can sort of sabotage during the holidays, especially when, especially if they are single and, and have this sort of story run of, of, oh, not good enough or, you know, some of the pieces that you described there. And it can actually steal them away from the, the great activities that they have with their family, you know, and so being able to come back to some of those pieces that you're talking about, I think is, is really important. Well, family can steal <laughs> some of those from <laughs> us too. Yeah. And yes, certainly we're in the driver's seat and, you know, it only happens if we allow it you know, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> the, like, it's, it's, it is pretty, when someone rips us, right? It, it, it is hard to reground sometimes, right? When we walk into that space and a family member says without mindfulness or awareness, oh, you're still single or, you know, I, I don't, I just don't understand it. You know, like those types of comments, which we can all sort of chuckle about. Cause I think we've literally all had some family member at some point in our lives do something like that. So it's this like collective experience that we all have, but it's in those moments that it can like fully rip it out of us. And, and so how do we prepare ourselves for the things that we might expect or anticipate to, ha to have happen when we, when we go back into that space? Yeah. And I think this is a good segue because, you know, one of the pieces that, that I wanted us to, to sort of touch on is, is how to really be not, not only really be present at home for the holidays with our family, but how do we deal with challenging family dynamics? Because sometimes, I mean, look, I think there's two parts to this that I want to talk on. One is how do we sort of optimize and get the most from, this is a very like <laughs> masculine, like man approach to this, like, how do I optimize this? But how do I, how do I optimize and really get the most out of my time with my family? Because, you know, some people might only see their family once or twice a year and they really want to enjoy their time with them. And then the other side of this is dysfunctional family systems and, and how we deal with those, you know, during the holidays. So, so let's, let's talk about the latter first. Let's talk about the dysfunction first mm -hmm. and just start there because I think that there can be a lot of challenges and you gave such a good example before about, you know, going home and being in that same environment. And maybe there's, you know, a parent who is cruel or unkind or uh, maybe abusive or, or maybe it's just sort of distant or avoidant. How do we start to navigate some of those waters? How do we deal with those things at the holidays where things are already emotionally charged. So many people talk about their concern and fear of walking into that space. And it's almost a, this immediate regression. Um, you know, I, I work with so many people who are, are so thoughtful and mindful and self-aware and are doing the work and they, <laughs> What? And then they get around their mom yes. <laughs> or their dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's exactly it. It's like 
you 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 walk in and then all of a sudden it's like all of your tools <laughs> and all of your growth are gone and you you like your patience your ability to articulate your you know, like all of these things they sort of feel like they've just left you and you're you're back into that space where maybe you're a a little kid again or you're this teenager or you know you're not who you are in so many other parts of your life and i think it's important to name that for people to say like you know you it it is actually quite common to have that experience of you know that first trigger or that first i mean sometimes for people it's just truly walking into the space where that space holds so much history yeah. right especially if you grew up in that home uh, you walk in and it's your your bedroom or um you know where certain things went down maybe certain fights or um certain wounding things that happened where just as you walk into that space, your system is contracting instead of expanding, right? In other parts of our lives, if we're working towards expansion, right, we're constantly in that space and we're feeling really good and we have our routine and we have our tools. And then we walk back into another space and all of a sudden our whole system sort of turns in instead of being this grounded, empowered being that we've found ourselves to be in other parts of our lives, we are now this disempowered being who is contracted, fear-based, insecure, unable to do the work that they, that they've been able to do before. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like, I feel like in this space, it might be good for, for us to give an example to the listeners from like our personal life, because you know, I, I don't think either of us had necessarily like the most ideal upbringing in that space. But, you know, one of the things that came to mind for me was, you know, I, I like, I grew up between two families mm -hmm. and Christmas and the holidays were always, they were always a pain in the ass. They were I'd, like, they never met expectations for me um, for a very long time because, you know, I, I always had to travel like an hour and split up Christmas day. And when I was old enough to have my car, like it, I just remember, I remember being like a 16 or 17 year old kid when I, I had my car and I grew up in Edmonton. And so, you know, there'd be a lot of snow in the ground, freezing cold. And I'd wake up at my mom's place and we would do Christmas morning. And then I'd have to get in my car and drive like almost an hour to go to my dad's. And I just remember that, that time, that period being such a strange time, you know, here I am, it's Christmas day. There's like nobody on the roads and I'm driving by myself to go, to go to my other family's house. And that just really stuck with me because I think so many people have their own version of that, right? Maybe it's not the exact same, you know, dysfunction or, or lack of, or, or sort of breakdown of expectations, but they have their own version of that, right? There's not a parent there or, you know, one parent's in a different country or, you know, certain siblings can't come home or whatever, whatever the version is. And that, that was, that always stuck with me. So how, one of the ways that I actually rectified that was I actually started to enjoy those, those times, those spaces. And I would find ways to, to sort of not curtail, but just course correct my expectations to actually like work on acceptance and work on accepting the fact that, that that was the reality, right? Cause in many ways I like, I hated it for a long time. Mm. And when I started to accept the reality I found that I was much more present at both places and I could enter into the space and, and be more grounded and be more present for my family. And it made that experience much more enjoyable. And I think the last thing is that I really started to work on the relationships with my families outside of the holidays. Mm. You know, I think that's, that's one of the things is that most people put up with the dysfunction in their family year round and then they go home and they can't escape it, right? right? They're like stuck in it. 
And and I think that that's one of the game changers that that I sort of undertook, and I know you've undertaken as well. But maybe are you open to just sharing like a little piece of of what that was like for you as a kid? Yeah, sure. I I, I don't think it's um, news, or at least for most people who've been following me, I think they they know that my parents um, got divorced and and they got separated when I was in first grade, and um, also an only child. And so really similar to you, although they lived much closer than, than your family um, did from one another. But uh, there was also other homes that I had to go to. So holidays for me uh, was actually about like three or four homes mm. in a day. And, you know, sort of that expectation of am I and am I spending enough time with each segment? Um, and will each each part of the family feel, I mean, I certainly didn't think of it as like honored when I was a kid, right? right? But sort of that, like, am I giving enough time to each part? And as a kid, it was really like, am I hurting anybody's feelings? Right, like am I taking yeah, care of everybody else's right. needs? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, so that was certainly something that now, granted, I had I've been doing that for a very long time. <laughs> so, so the decades later, I I feel like a pro at it. Um, and I think for me, it's it's actually become more. You know, I I consider myself to be a very thoughtful, mindful person, um, and I do care about the the experience of others and the impact that it has on them. And I also see the human in me, and I refuse to do anything that doesn't take care of me. And so I, I honestly just don't put that much into it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll hit all of the houses and, um, I'll, I'll be there, but when I'm ready to go or when I need to go, like I just, I go yeah. and I'm happy to be, um, spending quality time in that space. And, and generally speaking, you know, it's not just one day that, that we're home for the holidays. So there's other opportunities to connect, but it's sort of moving some of these, higher expectations where it's like, I just can't fulfill on it yeah. perfectly in that space. And so I'm not going to worry too much about it. I'm going to just show up and be and where it is that I'm enjoying myself, like then I'll hang there a little bit longer. And so there's never a time where like exactly at this moment, I'll have to be somewhere else. It's like, you know, I'm going to show up within this space. And at least for our families, it, it that works. It's um, we're not sort of by the minute. Yeah. Um, so that is, that is something that is workable. Um, but that has been, that has been helpful for me to sort of recognize what is workable for me and just honor my experience in that mm. because I've, you know, for a really long time, I was constantly honoring the experiences of others yeah. and not putting myself forward. Yeah. And I think you hit on something like really, really important and, and probably that a lot of people deal with is that oftentimes when, you know, especially if we're going home for the holidays and we don't live where our family is, it can feel like all of their needs are, are coming before ours. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of the clients that, that I work with are like, oh, I feel like the holidays are never about me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's about family and it's about them and it's about appeasing, you know, what my parents want or siblings want or whatever, but they sort of lose their own voice. They lose their own wants in that space. And then of course it's challenging to meet up to the expectations because they feel like their, uh, their parts are, are never a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so I love what you're saying around, look, like find a way or, or be, be in the space of, of connecting with your family, but make sure that your needs are still being met in that space. It's not selfish, you know? Yeah. And I think again, that's another thing that's important for people to hear. It's not selfish to be mindful of what self-care looks like for you in this space. Because when the second that you let that leave, it's, 
And I know that this will sound slightly dramatic, but it becomes self-harm. And again, I think naming some of these things is really helpful because if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm harming myself, Mm. right? And again, yes, I know sort of the spectrum of that. Like it doesn't have to be this dramatic sense of the word, but anytime that I am going against what it is that is going to be to take care of me, then there's harm that is happening. Now, that doesn't mean that I can't take care of me and you or and someone else. We can simultaneously do that. And and it's so part of this is finding that sort of that sweet spot really of like, yeah, that balance of how do I take care of myself and take care of the reasonable expectations that others have? Because of course, the expectation is that we're going to spend some time together and, you know, hopefully enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. And I, you know, I think what you're saying about the the self-harm piece, like I would, I would code that as like, oh, I'm lying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, the truth is, the truth is that this is what I want. And when I'm not honoring that, I'm in a way I'm, I'm kind of lying mm-hmm. and, and I'm not honoring my own truth. I'm not honoring what I know I want, what I know I need in, in that space. And and that that lie does in some way create harm, does create suffering in some way. So I, I really I appreciate that. One of the things that comes up so much when we go back into our family systems is that the role that we had within our family system becomes apparent again. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so when, you know, if you were a caretaker in your family system, right, what it is that you know, you and I are talking about right now is very easy for that role to come back up where it's like, all you want to do is make sure that everybody else is taken care of, right? If you were part of the glue that held the system together, um, then that's something that can come forward. So even if you've shifted your role in other parts of your life, again, walking back into that space where it's like, well, I'm supposed to dot, 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 dot. And right. Yeah. And like fill, sort of fill in that blank. Like what was my role within the family system? What was I supposed to do so that the system could function? better. Yeah. Right. And when, whatever that answer is, like, just pay attention to what that role looks like as you go into that space this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's great. And I don't really have too much to add to that, but I think, but yeah, I think walking into that space and, and sort of being prepared for that is important. And then being able to just being able to sort of manage those expectations. And I wanted to touch on growth and, you know, I think what one of the challenges that we can often, we can internally feel like we've grown a lot in between seeing our family. And oftentimes our family will still reference us in the same way. Mm. And I, I see a lot of people, you know, whether they're doing a lot of self-work or what, whatever that is, they struggle with this. And they're like, oh, my family still sees me the exact same way. How do you recommend people start to deal with that? Because I, I know this can be a huge challenge in the holidays where maybe your family hasn't seen you for eight to 12 months or maybe even longer. Um, and and you go home and you feel like a very different person. Maybe you've worked through a divorce or a breakup or a career change or whatever it is. And, and you feel like a much more mature, grounded person and your family still sees you as the same thing. Couple of options. Knowing your audience is important. Mm, yeah. Good. Yes. Great place to start. So, expand on that? yeah. So I think if you have people in your family who can hear your growth and are receptive to it and can expand in that space, then one of the options that you can do is share it, share it with them. Right? Yeah. And even just make note like, ah, you know, ha ha. Um, but I've actually been doing a lot of work on myself and like, let me tell you about the growth that I've had. Yeah. Um, and so that is a great way to address that. 
But knowing your audience also means that there might be people in your family who are not going to have any idea what that what that means, yeah. are not going to respect it, may even mock it. And you don't want to put yourself in a position to have people not get it, make fun of it, invalidate it or disregard it or just sort of railroad it. Yeah. And so in those instances, I don't know that you have to even spend any time or energy or any of your breath on explaining it. It might just be a redirect. And I think it, that is sort of a redirect that might just be like, you know, you don't really engage it because you certainly don't want there to be some type of feed, um, like positive feedback loop there. Um, but that you just shift the conversation to something else. Mm. And maybe that requires you to stay on a surface level with people or you talk about I don't know, something that you know will be engaging for them, but it moves it away from you because I think when the all when when we feel like eyes are on us and then people are telling us about us, but it's not actually the version of us anymore, but then they're not willing to see the growth or the shift because it's likely a mirror to them that says that I haven't grown and I haven't shifted and right. I don't want to look at your growth and your shifts, right? So, I mean, we're not going to get into <laughs> too much of the dysfunction there, but it's just, you know, if they're not able to or unwilling to move the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's great because it's so applicable too for friends as well. This isn't just for family. This is for like, you know, childhood friends where we go back home and all of a sudden we see them again and we feel completely different, et cetera, et cetera. So I think all of that advice is very valid in that field. Let's let's talk a little bit about dysfunctional family relationships in the holidays and and how to handle some of those, specifically with parents. You know, I think that a lot of people can struggle when dealing with parents in those spaces, um, even if they, like you said, feel like they have the tools and uh, and and have done the work and, uh, and and whatnot, so how can people prepare themselves best to enter in that space? When you are entering in with a partner, I think that having your ally be a part of that preparation is really important mm. and. If you just have a look, which I think a lot of couples do have, um, or you get reassurance with a little knee squeeze or something like that, or that you carve out this time for the two of you to go grab your coffee in the morning somewhere else, um, or, you know, familiar. Uh -huh, a little bit of time you know, throughout the day where it's just the two of you to reconnect and sort of download what it is that's going on. Um, but to have an ally there is really important. And sometimes that ally is actually who steps in and notices, uh-oh, like there it is. I know this trigger. <laughs> and like can actually step into that space and divert. I actually have had so many couples use that where the partner is really attuned to what some of those triggers can be and can watch it sort of unfolding because a lot of times again when we're regressing it's harder for us to see so our partner is like oh i see what's happening here like i need to step in <laughs> um, and so that can be really helpful and i think it's really important if you are partnered to speak about some of the things that you might have concern about that you might be worried about some of the patterns that you know that you can be a part of also ask them like what mm -hmm. have they seen right because a lot of times that observer outside of ourselves can be uh, very astute and can actually shed some light on some of the blind spots that we have but i do think ultimately if partnered um having a plan together can be really powerful and grounding yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I, I just on the 
on my last flight, I watched uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but the one thing that I will say is that they, the one couple goes to see uh, his parents and he doesn't prepare her at all for what his family is like and any of the dysfunction. And it's like chaos, right? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we we can do that. We can fall into that space of like not preparing our partner for what they're entering into or not giving them the full picture. That's right. Yeah. And and so I, I, I like that. I think that's great. Yeah. And and actually, it's it's a great point because I think so far we have mostly been talking about couples who have history together. Um, so for some people who are listening, this might be the first time that they're meeting someone's parents or family. Um, and so, you know, that's a really great point that you bring up of... Uh, like some of the insecurity that can come, especially if it's a newer relationship where yeah. you, they, ha they haven't seen you or you haven't seen them in potential dysfunction and like, oh gosh, like, is this per, what is this person one going to think of my family? Two, what are they going to think of the potential dysfunction? Three, like, is that going to scare them off? Are yeah. they going to want to be a part of this? Um, so that has now opened up an entirely new. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it's interesting because as you're talking, I, I'm thinking back to when I brought you home yeah. to, to meet my parents and we'd only been dating for like five months. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like four or five months. Oh yeah. It was it great. Was, it was like really early on. Yeah. Four months. And I hadn't been home in years. Yeah. I hadn't been home for, for Christmas or for any, I actually hadn't been back to Alberta in like four years because my you, family, I know. You loved me so much. <laughs> <laughs> I brought you back home after years. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, this, this is going to be the test. If this woman can endure yeah. my family <laughs> in all of its, in all of its glory. But, but I do recall that that. And, you know, I feel like I, I did try and give you a little bit of a context, but I even, I remember putting myself back in, into that space, you know, two, two, two years ago and remembering being like, oh my God, like, what is she going to think? What is she going to think about my family? How is this going to go? Like, it, you know, is everything going to be okay after? And I, I remember actually being really, uh, I had a lot of anxiety around it yeah. and, and not, not necessarily because I didn't think that you couldn't handle it or that they wouldn't like you or anything like that, but that, that sort of, past part of myself came up and, and I wasn't really too sure how it was going to go with my family. Mm -hmm. So that's a really interesting space to like recollect. So what do you, what do you recommend for people outside of engaging their partner and sort of giving them the full picture and, and telling them, you know, engaging some of these pieces of, of how they can, how they can sort of navigate those waters, what else do you recommend? Well, to continue what you were just sharing, what you wound up doing was you shared your anxiety with mm -hmm. me and you really named it and you shared the insecurities that you were feeling and you opened up a space and a dialogue for us to have where I was aware of the insecurities that were coming up for you. And, and so it was, you know, I'm a big believer that when we bring that forward, you know, if you have a loving partner, there's compassion there, yeah. right? It softens us. It's all of a sudden, you know, all I wanted for you in that space was for you to know that it was going to be fine. It didn't matter. It was all okay. Yeah. Like nothing that could have happened in that space, no matter how, you know, how, <laughs> how dysfunctional how, or chaotic. How disastrous. Or yeah. I, I, think yes. the, I think the big, the like, I remember the big part being like what the house looked like. Yes. You know, like my, my childhood home was a disaster. It was just like a mess, like a messy, messy environment. Mm -hmm. And so, and we're both, you and I are both, I mean, you more so than me are both very <laughs> clean people, Yeah. but, 
you know, that was my big concern. It was just like, oh my gosh, like this place is, is just gross. Right, right. And, and I'm sure that so many people can relate to mm-hmm. something similar like that, you know? Um, so yeah, I like that. Cause I, cause I, I did label it. I did bring it forward and, and just having that conversation was, was so useful. It was, oh, well, it's, you know, it's courageous of you. It's, it's courageous of anyone to be able to name the insecurity and just say, I'm really struggling with this, right? Yeah. I'm so excited for you to, to come and I'm really scared. I'm really nervous. I worry. And maybe these thoughts are fear-based thoughts and they're not rooted in reality. Um, but I fear that you are maybe not going to want to be with me. Um, you know, and right. Like at the core, it winds up being that it mm. winds up being that you're not going some to like, yeah, like some form of some rejection. Form of rejection yeah. Right. So I think for newer relationships, especially it's sh- certainly, you know, this is, this is maybe what you're walking into. Trying to impress your partner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one, this is, this is probably what we're walking into. Um, two, this is what I feel a little insecure about. Um, and so I just want to name that with you so that I can invite you into that space with me. Because I think that conversation, generally speaking, softens us and allows us to be really aware and then also allows us to give our partners the reassurance that, you know, that we need. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. All right. Let's talk about uh, in-laws. Okay. <laughs> um, unless there was anything else on the on the family side, but I think we should probably, uh, just for time's sake, shift gears to in-laws because... You know, recently we've both been doing a lot of Q and A's on Instagram, and and one of the questions that I that I got uh, on my Q and A was uh, how to communicate with in laws, how to set boundaries with in laws when when your partner um, either doesn't want to or doesn't feel capable of it, or or specifically asks you to step in, um, and that's a very interesting dynamic as well as as a partner. So. Where do, where do we start? Where do we start with dealing with in-laws around the holidays and especially if there's dysfunction with our partner? A lot of couples will have a limit that they uh, name with each other. Mm. I have three nights in me or, you know, this is this is the amount of time that I think um, sort of is where we hit our capacity. And that time might be different for each part too. I I think for some couples it's the same, um, which obviously is a little bit easier, but, um, you know, it's, especially when you don't see family for, for a long time. Um, and again, we just sort of going back to the beginning of this podcast and saying like, Oh, like here are the expectations and I need to be spending a ton of time with them. And you know, here's how many days or we're going to stay there versus staying in a hotel or an Airbnb or a friend's place. Um, so I think setting some structure ahead of time to say, you know, this is what I feel comfortable with versus this is what I definitely don't feel comfortable with. And how does that land for both of us? Um, You know, you and I generally agree, I think, with where our, you know, where our marker is. Yeah. Um, And I think there's, I think in that space of what you're talking about, there's like the, the good thing is to be able to have some flexibility in that space to be able to say like, okay, here's my, here's my hard lines. Like mm-hmm. here's the, the sort of, not that they're non-negotiables, but here, here are like my firmer boundaries. And here are some of the areas that I'm, I'm much more flexible in. Right. So like, mm-hmm. if we're going to stay there for five days, um, you know, I'd like not to spend more than like five or six hours per day with, with the family. And, you know, so we can go out and do our other things or, I think, I think having flexibility in some of those areas is important. Yeah. Right. I, it's, 
it's less workable if we're super rigid, yeah. but for there to be some bendable boundaries that don't cross anything, but allow us to be like, all right, so then this day, like, let's, let's go hiking yeah. or, you know, let's, let's take a drive somewhere and just spend a day somewhere else. Right. It's like, it breaks it up. And so it's not about being super rigid because certain things are there are certain times in our lives where we say like, okay, we're going to do this for five days or the flights line up this way or, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, there needs to be flexibility without a boundary feeling crossed. Okay. So how, so, so that's good. I think that that's a great starting point. What about our partner's responsibility when it comes to like the dysfunction within our family, right? So, so them dealing with their in-laws, um, how can we start to approach that? So let's let's just say that there's a theoretical couple, you know, um, and they're going over to one of the people's houses, uh, their parents' house, and it's not a great relationship with the parents. And one person feels that they should step in and, and say something at some point. How do we actually go about that? How does someone actually go about that? Uh, are you saying that the partner... Feels yeah, sorry, like yeah. they should step in. Yeah, the partner feels that they should step in and 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 say something. It's really important for that partner to clear that with their partner. And so, you know, obviously again in our humanness, there might be moments of reactivity where it just comes out. But generally speaking, if you can share with your partner what it is that you've been noticing or, hey, I think that if I see this happen again, or if I notice this, I might say this to your mom. Um, and how does that feel for you? Right? Like, and, and, and it's an interesting, it's a really interesting conversation because the one partner who thinks I'm going to step in and I'm going to stand up for my partner, or I'm going to set a boundary and thinks that they're doing something good, right? Hey, I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. And they're feeling good about themselves. Um, and there can be this really funky loyalty though, that's in a family system. And so it's, well, you, we've heard, all heard people say like, I can talk shit about my family, but you can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it, it's sort of a similar, like, no, you can't do that. Or I don't feel comfortable with you doing that. And then all of a sudden that partner has now failed. Yeah. And now that partner has created chaos or dysfunction within their relationship. And it's the total opposite of what that person was trying to do in the first place. Right. And so this is a conversation of intent being really good. Um, and, you know, setting that boundary, you're stepping in, seeing something that doesn't feel good for them and being like, I know my partner is not going to be able to do this or say this. And so I want to step in and I want to be, you know, the hero or whatever it is. And I, I, I really think that there needs to be a pause there and there needs to be a conversation outside of that space to say, how does this land for you? You know, not that, not that the person has to necessarily give you know, permission. Yeah. Um, but I think it's an agreement and, and, and it's a, it's a extension of just respect and honor of yeah, your partner. Totally. I, and I think just like a couple of pieces that, that I would add is, is not try, trying not to do it from a place of reactivity, right? Like if you are going to step in with your in-laws, especially, um, I think that that's probably a time to exercise calm, grounded presence and not, not being reactive. Cause oftentimes we'll want to, 
you know, everybody wants to protect their partner. You know, I mean, most people want to protect their partner. And so stepping into a space of from reactivity of trying to stand up for them can often come from this place of like, oh, I'm going to tell this person off. Well, it's disempowered when it's reactive. That's right. Yeah. And they can cause more conflict, like you're saying. Yeah. So I think I think that that part is important. But also, I think one of the other pieces is being able to gauge whether you can do that interjection or or have a conversation privately, which which in most situations probably is, is going to be optimal, or whether it is like that public space, you know, which can be very challenging if it's a whole group of people around a table at the holidays, that, that can be very confronting because you never want to embarrass anyone. So I think gauging that piece as well of being able to sort of discern whether or not like, okay, this is a one-on-one conversation. I'm going to pull her dad or his dad aside or mom aside or brother or sister aside after dinner and then just have like a little bit of a conversation. And I think that that can go a long ways as well. Absolutely. I think if there's a takeaway, it's always moving into an empowered place. And what I mean by that is that you feel grounded, you feel um, centered. Um, it's not reactive. It is, uh, it's, it's thought through. And when the reactivity is what's leading. It it's frantic energy. It's chaotic energy. It is disempowered, and it doesn't go well. Yeah, ever. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. It, like it may go okay with one part of the system, but it does not go well overall. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think it's so good. I, this kind of um, leads me to want to ask about uh, or talk about politics which is, you know, we live, I think right now in a very charged time in a very polarizing time where people are going home for the holidays. And maybe one of their concerns is talking about politics with their family, which can be very cumbersome and awkward at the best of times. But I think in the current climate, it really is uh, something that's confronting for a lot of people. So how do we start to approach these very like heated topics with our family, where normally these things maybe wouldn't have been talked about? but now are so front and center and so prevalent Mm -hmm. and so opinionated that they can get very heated and very charged quickly. How do we have those conversations with our family in a, like I want to say respectful, but I actually want to say more like assertive and direct and, but still calm, calm way. It goes back to knowing your audience again. There are, in the polarities, generally people are, going to defend their position at all costs. They are certainly not listening to understand, which is something that we talk about often. Mm-hmm. Um, they are listening to respond, to react, to defend, to yeah. justify, to, you know, they will find all of the data and evidence and research to prove their side. And maybe you do too, you know, like some of the listeners might be that those people who are also just closed up don't want to hear it uh, well yeah and and just proving proving the point even when you believe that yours is a much more open minded and inclusive thought and i think that there are you know certainly teachable moments and uh 
experiences that can be shared that can sometimes help people understand a perspective, but you need to know your audience because if you're walking yourself into a dynamic conversation where you know, you just, you know that that person is not changing their position, that they're going to say things that are going to upset you. And I thought that they don't even want to hear what you have to say. I think that, I think that's part of it. You know, I think is, is going into those conversations of, of literally saying like, do you even want to hear what I have to say? You know, and, and no, and, I mean, most of the time I think it is a no. Yeah. And so again, going back to that conversation of self-harm versus self-care, um, you know, it's one thing to want to speak up for and to, you know, honor certain people's experiences. And, and when you, when you are capable of thinking differently, um, and, and challenging belief systems and challenging what it is that some people are clinging to. You, you feel like, Oh, I have the light, you know, like this is it, right? This is what they're experiencing, right? It's like, Oh, you know, I want you to get in on this because this is the, this is the good life. You know, it's like it, we get it. We get it. We, we understand each other. Um, and, and again, it's the audience. And so I would say, you know, in terms of that preparation, it's maybe knowing who it is that you can share some of this with because maybe there's a few cousins or maybe, you know, maybe there is an uncle who is a little bit more open-minded who's willing to actually listen. And it doesn't mean that there isn't a debate or there aren't, or that, you know, it doesn't get, you know, a little revved up, but, but knowing the people who are just so closed off that it creates more self-harm and, and, and that has to be separate. Sorry that I'm going on here, but that has to be separate from then this part of you that, that then has this narrative of like, I'm not doing my part, right? This is a time where so many of us feel like it's so important to take a stand and to bring certain things forward, right? That's my respect. Make a point. Well, but but it's my responsibility, right? Once I, once I see something differently, right, it's my responsibility. And, and I remember, um, our friend, um, Alexandra Solomon, she had written something and it was uh, again about the political climate and, um, our responsibility, but to think about it as a chorus, um, that we take breaths and the, the note is still held, um, by other people when we have to take that pause. And a lot of times the holidays are when we do need to take a pause, when we know that if I keep singing this note, all that's going to happen is harm and hurt and and you're going to pass out (laughs) and you will pass out too um but to trust that that note can be brought back to trust that someone else somewhere is holding that note and actually having a conversation that's going somewhere that's meaningful and thoughtful and expanding someone else's mindset right and so just trust in the collective right now and don't give yourself a hard time for not you know, feeling like, oh, but I didn't tell my uncle that that comment about this is so what racist or so what, you know, like, gosh, like, how do you not see this? Right. Like sometimes, yes, of course you want to be able to bring that up and, and show that person something, but remember the note and remember that self-care has to be more important than self-harm and that just because you're pausing doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong it doesn't mean that you are harming others because of it um and it doesn't mean that you're failing the system yeah yeah i think that's great 
Sorry, I went on a rant there. No, that was <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, I appreciate all the advice, and I think that's I think that's really solid. And and I think the one thing you know, I think that that path of of pausing can be really really helpful for people, mm-hmm. um, and for the people that do want to engage. Um, I think I'll I'll speak to that, which is if you do want to engage in that dialogue, take the approach of of trying to formulate the other person's argument of really trying to understand their perspective with such a depth that that you that you're able to speak to it you know that you're almost an expert on on their side of the spectrum because it's it's when we enter into that space that people that maybe people become more receptive but at the or at the very least we are able to speak to them in such a way that that they understand and and i think without that what we usually do is sort of stand on two sides of the fence and and really just yell at each other and make our points about how the grass is greener on the other side which does nothing but if you actually walk over to the other side and you start to learn and understand and get a fuller picture um, and you can sort of make their argument for them then you're able to use you know logic and rationality and understanding and wisdom and you know the the rest of the tools the rest of the arsenal that you sort of built to be able to to have a, a better conversation a more effective conversation yeah i i really love what you're saying i think it loops us back um to listen to understand yeah and it's actually the responsibility of the person who is more aware uh to to lead with that work and so if you see another person as closed off or blind or you know whatever it might be it's your responsibility to to listen to understand yeah. and i i I said this recently on a different podcast. Um, I think Gottman said that um, understanding must precede advice. Mm-hmm. And and so if we're just arguing points and trying to prove something, it's never going to go anywhere like you and I have yeah. just said many times. But once someone feels understood, then the guard does drop and the threat isn't as severe. And if you are the person who is more aware, you are the person who has to lead that charge. You can't be, well, why doesn't the other person understand me first? That's not how that goes. It's your responsibility to be the person who is leading that charge and being the, the human who listens to understand and doesn't have to fight back or disprove or invalidate in that space. Not until, um, I don't mean like not until, but once they feel understood, then being able to bring yourself forward, um, you have a much better chance at at also being heard. Well, and I think, you know, I've, I've, I mean, I've experienced that like with conversations with your dad and and my fathers Mm -hmm. when I've disagreed with, with them on, on certain things and being able to fully understand their side has helped a lot. I think that, I think the threat for people is, you know, if you really understand the other side, there's a threat to you that you might shift parts of your parts of your stance, right? Parts of your belief. But the great thing is, is that it just brings you closer together no matter what. So mm. we're going to shift gears um, because we're almost done. Okay. And I'm just going to ask you a, a few a few questions to sort of give people tactical tools for the holidays, um, just some some pieces, some advice uh, of of how to really like get the most 
out of the holidays. <laughs> Sound good? Okay. Okay, great. So uh, how can one, and this is such a, such a funny word question. I wrote how, I like really wrote down like this question, which is, <laughs> how can, how can we maximize intimacy over our holidays, <laughs> which sounds so tactical. Um, but maybe, maybe, maybe can you just speak to how do we maintain intimacy during the holidays with our partner and how can we allow it to, to flourish and grow? Well, I think it's, can be creating a plan with anyone you want to have intimacy with, right? So you might want emotional intimacy with a family member. And so if there are certain people you are prioritizing in your life, it's actually carving out a bit of time with each person. I love to do it individually um, where it's like, well, let's get breakfast together Mm. Um, or, you know, let's go grab a coffee together or like, let's go do this together because there's a lot of those little slivers throughout the day. Right. And so to maximize it, I actually think it's to plan it. Um, And again, it's not super rigid or super structured. There can be flow to it, but to just know and say like, I want to spend quality time with you or I want to do this with you ahead of time is a really great way for that time to be honored and for it to be followed, followed through on. Awesome. Um, how do we prevent or just be aware of or set ourselves up so that we have less communication breakdowns over the holidays? Cause I feel like communication breakdowns happen more around this time of the year. So sure. h- how do we, how do we circumvent that? Well, I, it's about having really clear expectations and agreements and there are so with our partners, the hope is that we can do that. Um, obviously, we can't always have clear expectations and agreements with um, unwilling participants, right? So with anybody who's a willing participant, it's naming the expectations, getting really clear on what those look like. Here's the agreement, whether it's how many days that we're spending, how much money we're spending on gifts. It's, I mean, it's it's really putting that out there. Um, and And part of that might be that I'm not telling you how much money I'm spending on a gift because I just want you to be surprised and I don't want there to be like these rules around it. Right. But just at least naming it is something that can, can at least create a healthy sense of an agreement. So it's making sure that there aren't covert expectations that are being passed back and forth between each other. So name it, bring it forward, label it, say the thing, and then follow up by doing the thing. <laughs> I love it. There's just like chaos in the background I right know. now. So many <laughs> ambulances. Maybe they and... can't hear it, but there's there's just like a crazy amount of ambulances and fire trucks in the background. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> go out in nature, find solace. Yes. Go into space where it's quiet. Uh, you know, Connor craves... Uh, quiet, which (laughs) makes it really hard for us to be living in New York. But yeah, I mean, I think that going back to the intimacy question, it is, it's also minimizing our distractions Mm. and, and some of that is by being in nature. Um, So that's something that should be in the, on the list. Great. Yeah. What is your favorite part of the holidays? You. (laughs) That's a good answer because I'm sitting right in front of you. Yeah. Um, It is. It is about being with family. I, you know, I really enjoy getting to see also like the extended family, mm. right? So, you know, we get to see some of the family fairly often, but then we get to see some of the extended family less often. And so, yeah, it's really nice to be with the kiddos, you know, like you and I both actually love being around them and, um, 
you know, getting a slice of those little monsters, those little monsters, but we love them. Yeah, we, can um, give, we can give them back. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's truly the pause too. You know, I think you and I have done a really good job of um, taking time around the holidays for just us and, and not working during that time and really disconnecting from it and connecting to us. And I think we do a really good job of being connected through and through. Um, and it's, it's not like we're making up for lost time, but I really do look forward to and, and, and appreciate that space where we can just breathe and um, it can still be intentional and we can still set plans for the new year. Um, but I really do look forward to that space and that breath. Speaking of the new year, I'm looking forward. <laughs> besides, besides us getting married next year, yeah. what are you what are you really excited about for 2019? I mean, honestly, I'm really excited for the next couples retreat. I like you know, I yeah. loved the last one. You loved the that last one. It was mind blowing work. It was so cool, and I just like want to be doing more of that. I want to definitely get a singles retreat in there. So I know that we're trying to trying to plan that. Don't worry, we've we've heard you all. <laughs> we, had we, so know. Many we know. We reaching out about a singles um, retreat. <laughs> but you know, I think for us, there's a lot, lot in store and our work together has been some, some surprises. Yeah. There are some surprises. Like our work together has been such a, like it has actually, excuse me, has been such a surprise to see the value of the collective. You know, I love our individual work and what we do and it's so special and it's so important. And I didn't realize how much that I would love doing that work with you. And, mm. and so I'm really excited for all that we're creating because we are creating a lot for 2019 and, you know, the years to come um, after. But uh, yeah, like that's, that's exciting for me to just feel that energy flowing in, in this direction. It's flowing. It's flowing. It's flowing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me again. I'm sure that we're gonna we're gonna have to jam on some other topics in the in the new year. I feel like this, you know, maybe be a semi semi regular uh, appearance totally. on the show. I feel like we should sort of do these and do like an Instagram live while we're talking yeah. like this. Do like a little Q and A. Yeah, or just us talking while while people are watching and yeah. listening. That'd be good. We can yeah. talk about maybe maybe in the next podcast we'll we'll talk about sex. Yeah, we haven't we didn't really j j jive on that in the last one, um, but I think something like that could be good or communication sure. or just you know dating in general. Well, maybe people can leave some comments about what yep. topic they want us to to jam on next. Yeah. Let so, us know. So hit us up either at Mindful MFT on Instagram or at Man Talks, uh, and you can uh, you can let us know. But one quick thing that I definitely want to say is share this podcast with your partner. You know, sit down and listen to it with them. Uh, and and if you're single, share with another single friend. You know, fire it off to them, and and ask them what they thought. What did they get value out of uh, from it? So so or share it with a parent. Oh <laughs> oh, right. I mean, yeah. like, I think get a lot of times get real. Well, but a lot of times we share these types of things with partners or our colleagues, like people who are. Uh, like same. Yeah. Um, and we, and we, well, and we hesitate from sharing it with, with like the people who, who maybe could use it most. That's good. Yeah. Right. But like what happens if you have this, you both listen, you, you and a parent listen to this podcast and so many of the things that we named then become a gateway for conversation yeah. and exploration, um, through different generations. So that's, yeah. it's good. I actually, I have a client that has sent my podcast to some of his bosses before. Uh -huh. And, uh, I was like, man, like, 
huge props to you. That's the, you know, that takes courage to be yeah. able to say, I don't know how this is going to land for you, but I think you should check it out anyway. Sure. And, um, you know, sh- sharing this with siblings, um, could be really beneficial as well, or parents. So I love that. Love yeah. that insight. Well, bring in different generations. I think we stay within our generation when we share a lot of things. And yeah. so it's cool to just bring in different generations into the conversation because it can be a different way of starting that conversation as opposed to you having to do it. Leave it to Connor and Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. We'll, right. we'll, we'll take care, we'll of, take care of it for you. for you. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, um, that's it. That's all. So definitely uh, go check out Vienna on Instagram. Um, her website is newyorkcouplescounseling.com. We'll have all of this in the show notes, by the way, so you can go uh, dive into any of that and check out her incredible work uh, and uh, just her incredible work on and, and writing. I am always in awe of, of your writing. Um, truly, you have a gift with words. And it's something that, I'm, that I am... Uh, uh, humbled by every single time I read your writing, I'm just like, man, oh man, so so ridiculous. Because I am such a oaf when it comes to writing. <laughs> I'm such a clod. I uh, like, you know, I'm always like missing things grammatically. But yeah, you're really gifted. So if you want to follow someone who's got great, amazing insights into relationships and into human connection, definitely go and follow Vienna. And, um, and, and share this with someone, leave us a rating and review as well. That's a, that's another big piece. Uh, please leave us a rating and review. We're on Google play. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. Uh, so head on over there and, and leave a, a written review. It goes a long, long way into getting us into the phones and into the ears of people around the world. So until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring individual. 